This is a HeadGum Podcast. The discussions on Robot Congress are for entertainment purposes and to help correct random people on the internet. Any law discussed is general commentary only and not to be taken as legal advice. Specific facts will always alter the case. Have a problem? Hit the gym and lawyer up. Hello and welcome to Robot Congress. I'm Ryan Morrison. Bird, bird, bird. A bird is a word. Bird, bird, This is Austin Hoffman. And we're joined again by Allison Rothman. Don't you know about the bird? Well, everybody's heard that the bird is a word. Bird, bird, bird. This week we're talking about birds. And not we're going to do bird law. And not like the bad It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia joke. We're doing actual bird law. The electric scooter sweeping the nation. If you live in a major city, chances are you've seen a lot of People without helmets, with two-year-olds strapped on their shoulders, flying by 60 miles an hour on electric scooters, titled Bird. The startup company called Bird. Their main competitor is called Lime. And there are Bird and Lime scooters all throughout Los <laughs> Angeles right now. They're not in New York, though, right, Austin? No, no, I, I've I've never seen a one. I, I have and no I'm, idea what you're talking about when you're talking about when you, when you proposed Bird Law. I think if they were in New York, they'd be vandalized a lot stronger. They wouldn't last a day in New York. Yeah, it's true. So if you look at their map right now on their website, they have uh, they're definitely in in California. They look to be in Austin and Dallas. They're they're in the Midwest a lot. Seems to be Chicago. This is a good test of my geography skills, which I don't have. That island. That island is Alaska. Ah. They just moved it. Uh, so <laughs> hey, they're in Juneau. And Portland, of course, probably, you know, anything new and hip is in Portland, uh, but not Brooklyn. So there you go. They haven't made it to the city yet. They're still rocking city bike. But uh, a lot of people were asking us about these things because the headlines recently have been Los Angeles County banning birds, Los Angeles County fighting against birds, uh, Somerville. Exactly. Somerville over by Boston uh, is at war with bird right now. They 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 put out a decision saying any bird still in the city after Friday will be impounded and bird is fighting back. They're not giving up on it. There's been a huge outcry over here about helmet laws and uh, the police have kind of been enforcing against these scooters by going around and ticketing people riding without a helmet. And instead of making helmets available or working with the city on that bird is now lobbying and spending their, a lot of money they're making fighting helmet laws. Uh, So rather, yeah, uh, they have free helmets available on their website if you pay shipping. Well, there you go. But they're at the same time lobbying against helmet laws in California. Oh, well, so, you don't need to wear helmets. I mean, you only need the helmet if you fall off the scooter. <laughs> yeah, but legally you require a helmet. But they look uh, Yeah, helmets are for losers. <laughs> no safety, kids. Yeah, uh, six-year-old no, but riding in all your seriousness, mother on your bird. Like, that's totally safe. The idea of the bird, though, is you take it instead of an Uber or a Lyft. You're walking from one place to the other, and, and you, you can see drop it. it wherever. Exactly, but the chances you have a helmet on you are thin. That's pretty. It's I mean, that's, like it's a cool bike. idea, except for the helmet thing. Yeah, the difference too, like city bike, for example, in New York, there are certain docks where you have to return the bike to. It'd be a very different concept to leave helmets there, but here you can just pick it up and drop it wherever you wherever you are. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I, I'm done with this. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> but literally, you just throw it on the street, and that's where yeah. it stays. Uh, which causes a lot, as you would guess, nuisances to both public and private people, which we'll get into in a little bit. Uh, this episode is going to be law heavy, guys. So strap in and get ready to learn something. But don't worry, there's lots of bird poop because that's how they fight crime. I mean, that's, law. I don't. Nope. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
so so we uh <laughs> the reality is these things appeared overnight out of nowhere. It was about a year ago. I saw the first bird scooter I ever saw in Marina del Rey in California. And I thought, oh, that's cool. Marina is putting out these scooters to help people get around because there's nothing walking distance. So they're like, you know, these these homes are probably renting out these scooters. Turns out, no, these scooters were there and were an abomination to these homeowners and they hated them. <laughs> uh, they, these were not the city sponsored wonder bikes. I thought they were. They were against the city in every single capacity. So they appeared all at once as by magic, like a flash mob, which is a super interesting thing because it's the reality of, of technology right now. It's the reality of these startups. They no longer go to the city and say, hey, here's our pitch. Can we do this? They know all the red tape of that. They know all the the problems that'll be and the huge delays that cause. And by the time you get permission, you're no longer going to be first to market. And you're the reason every runway. You don't get yeah. no runway left for your bird. I can't. One day we're going to do an episode where Austin explains what runway is and what Series A funding is and just how, how much you've learned by watching Silicon Valley. I, I watched two and a half seasons of Silicon Valley. It's fantastic. Exactly. <laughs> but the reality is these these startups now are the reason we're saying bird instead of lime is bird was first to market. And the the reality same with Uber to Lyft or whatever. And they're not going to sit there and wait for permission. The reality for these tech companies is go out and do it easier to request uh, forgiveness than permission. And we're seeing that happen right now and the ramifications of that with bird. Uh, the Beverly Hills mayor quite literally came out and said, this is a case of asking for forgiveness instead of permission. And that's not how this works. So we're shutting it down. Wow. It sounds like they're trying to do things, you know, like Mavericks. They're, they're not following the rules. You can't keep them down. Cool ice Top Gun reference. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mean, they, they've gotten a warning from almost every city they're in, but they never listened and they haven't stopped. And now that some cities like Somerville and Los Angeles are trying to fight them, they're, they're not really uh getting into it but before we get too far into how birds are are going to be dealt with and are being dealt with let's uh take a journey down the history of product liability that law so oh that's fun. yeah <laughs> so products liability law is basically the way that common people like you and i can have ramification or, or can cause ramifications for people putting out crappy products uh the three kind of main types of liability claims are manufacturing defects design defects, and a failure to warn, also known as marketing defects. Most states, these these laws change pretty, pretty greatly. We're going to focus on California for the most part, just because that's where these scooters are seeing most of their problems, and it's where we are right now. Where all the birds are. To elaborate on what those three claims are, manufacturing defects are basically those that occur in the manufacturing process. So that's when they're using really bad materials. That's when they're using you know just crappy stuff to put the thing together. It falls apart after a week. Uh, it's not really relevant to what we're seeing with the birds. No one's complaining that the birds are poorly made. They're complaining that uh, th that there's not proper warnings and regulations and et cetera, et cetera. Design defects occur when the product design is inherently dangerous. So basically, this is uh, demonstrated by showing that the product fails to satisfy, quote unquote, ordinary consumer expectations as to what constitutes a safe product. So if you have like a spiky bouncy ball that is has real genuine spikes. So when you bounce it and you catch it, you stab your hand. Yeah, we're going to see some interesting theories because so many lawyers are coming out now. Uh, Ali was just showing me before the episode that a lot of law firms are coming out saying they specialize in bird law. Right, they're bird law experts at this point. <laughs> yeah, and as as much <laughs> you know, get the Charlie Kelly memes out, but it's true. There 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 will be money to be made here. People are just driving these scooters into cars and traffic with their oh four year olds God. on the front of them. It will be, and the reason that I think design defect cases might exist 
is I've yet to see someone ride one of these things that didn't immediately say, whoa, that's way faster than I thought. It's super fast. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have been on one. <laughs> yeah, I, I have. How fast do they go? You've ridden more than I, so Allie, what's the riding a bird like? I, so I don't know what their actual speed limit is, but it's super fast. It has a serious throttle. Um, and even going uphill, it's it takes off. Yeah. Um, I, I, you're supposed to do – when you get on, they tell you uh, your, your local laws. So they'll say put on a helmet, don't do this, whatever. And just to clarify, you have to do this all through the app. Right. So before you can um, engage the scooter and unlock the scooter, it goes I through think. like a, you know – Next, 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 next. Right. This is what you have to do. Yeah. So you literally have to see these warnings, which will brings us to the next point. So that's design defects. If these things are, are you know, zero to 100 without realizing it, although probably more is realistically zero to 40, which is still super fast. Still when, really fast. Yeah. yeah. Allie, well, how do you stay on that? It's really fast. I'm not I'm not joking. Yeah. And when you go over a bump, I nearly got air. <laughs> um, <laughs> both feet on the scooter. And, uh, yeah, and, and I can just picture you on it, like, Wait. holding onto the, the rails while your legs fly up behind you. Like, uh, what was that old comic strip where Marmaduke or something where the dog runs and he, the guy's just dragged behind him? But, yeah. Clifford. It's, uh, it's not Clifford. Clifford was a big red dog. Yeah, yeah. for real. Austin, what do you – no. The answer is no. <laughs> yes, the um, answer is yes. You, know, you think Clifford never ran around and destroyed, like, you know, some sidewalks? I don't think Clifford had a leash that someone expected to be able to Clifford hold him. Well he totally had a leash, though. He did not. Clifford was a good boy. Anyway, uh, so the, the, those are design defects, these, these kind of speed problems and things like that. But the more interesting one is the failure to warn, which is uh, these can be mitigated by giving out disclaimers and warnings to users, which Bird will certainly argue they do, that they have the proper disclaimers in the app, that they say you have to use a helmet, that you can't go over a certain speed, blah, blah, blah. Although, noticeably, there's no, there speedometer. no speedometer. Right. No. Well, because they don't uh, want to know how actually fast you're going. Otherwise, you'll get paranoid about it, and then you'll fall over. Can I, like, you can check the speed on your phone. Well, there are so many So they're encouraging you phone. to use your phone. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Like, if I use a Sure, but if it app. was Bird, that would be funny. The reality of these things is both with what they have to warn you against and these design defects they have to be concerned of, it is not just what the product is intended for that you have to be wary of, that you have to protect against. It's also foreseeable, stupid uses. That's not the legal term, but basically <laughs> you have to look at what the average idiot consumer will do and protect against that as well. Sick So when they're jumps. going off-roading with, yeah. their, with their birds. And you're both joking, but I've, I can't tell you how many people I've seen trying to bunny up Same. up the hill and stuff. And I saw one guy eat it yesterday who just completely face planted. And what if that scooter ran into traffic? And what if that scooter hit me? You know, there's there's all these different claims and, and lawsuits that are going to be coming very soon. You can't just well, be I mean, worried about all these what ifs, man. You're living in the past. You got to live in the now, <laughs> not in the no, future either. The are they supposed to ride on the sidewalk? Are they supposed to go in the bike lane? Are they supposed to be in the street? I, um, I'm a lawyer and I don't know. And it, the app probably told me, but I already forgot. So that's not the greatest disclaimers. And now I'm on or, the bird and I can't look at the app because I'm going 40 miles an hour. Right. Yeah. And and does one disclaimer setting up your account the first time you use it count for all these subsequent rides? I, I would argue no or yes, depending on who I'm representing. But, uh, <laughs> but but the reality is these things are ripe for lawsuits. You know, there's also negligence claims with product liability cases and if any law students listen, which I know most of you do, I, I hope you can tell me if you're past a first or you take torts first year. Uh, for the non-lawyers, torts. Austin, do you know what a tort is? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it has a been mentioned several times previous, but no. Yeah. 
course. And I always forget that because I didn't know what a tort was before law school. But tort is just a word for civil claim. So if you punch me in the face, I'm going to sue you for a tort. Uh, tort means like pastry. assault, battery, and not the criminal side. There's the criminal Ooh, charge. Salty tart. I'm hungry. Yeah, there's the civil. <laughs> salty tart? Uh, yeah. I guess um, fruit, fruit and salt. Okay. But one of the main torts is negligence. And and all law students, it's it's almost always on the bar exam. It's, it's certainly on your tort final. There's four factors to <laughs> negligence. It's duty, breach, causation, and damages. And anybody who ever went to law school will never be able to get that unburned from the That's mind. right. It is part of our soul now. Uh, so basically what that means is is duty. I have a duty to you. I have a duty to not harm you. I have a, uh, In other situations, I have different duties. If I'm giving you a scooter, I have a duty to not let you not put you on a scooter that's going to kill you. Have I breached that duty? You breach a duty when you act under the reasonable uh, expectation that someone else in similar standards would would act. I forget the exact verbiage because I haven't had to take the bar in a while, but that's life. Then causation. Did my failure to reasonably take care of this scooter or anything else cause you to get hurt? Uh, but for my failure, you would not have been harmed. So, so sometimes uh, negligence is is kind of an automatic no-no. And that <laughs> happens when there is a statute, for example, that uh, explicitly bans certain behavior. So if we saw in this case, for example, that you know the Los Angeles, whatever they're called here, the Congress, Senate, whatever their <laughs> yeah. body of The city Congress, people, Senate of Peoples. Yes, the peoples of Los Angeles passed the law that said that scooters above a certain speed limit are illegal. It, you know, birds would immediately be... Uh, obviously illegal under the concept of <laughs> negligence per se. Right, and then we would all have nice claims against them when we fall and hurt our heads. Uh, there's also Everyone strict would be rushing out to get birds and yeah. get injured on them. Yeah, and then there's also strict liability claims. Strict liability is like, okay, we don't need to go through half of this stuff. Here's an automatic no-no. Uh, rather than focus on the behavior of the manufacturer like we would in negligence. So it's not saying that Bird negligently put this stuff together or negligently didn't put warnings on or whatever. Strict liability claims, on the other hand, focus on the product itself. So under strict liability, the manufacturer is liable if the product is defective, like we discussed above. The difficulty with negligence that we just ran through is that it still requires the plaintiff to prove that the defendant's conduct fell below that relevant standard of care, that they breached that duty. However, if an entire industry is doing something like we, we're going to see here, uh, Lime is doing things basically exactly the same as Bird. Yeah, uh, I've never ridden a Lime, but I'm pretty sure they're exactly the same. It and would I probably have, be squishier. <laughs> I have the app though, and it gave you know similar warnings. It's just colored green. I actually hate their their whole marketing like scheme. Either. I hate. I don't know why birds you birds are way cooler. Yeah, for sure. Oh my god. Uh, this so is not you, an endorsement of birds. Robot Congress is sponsored by Bird. Fly to freedom. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Fly to the sky from your sick knowledge. Uh, Fly to the hospital when you get injured. Exactly. But basically the problem is if everyone within one marketplace would inevitably testify that the defendant's conduct, defendant here would be if I'm suing Bird, if everyone else that owned a similar scooter would testify and say, no, that, that conformed to the reasonable circumstances that we would see in this industry, then I don't really have as much a claim. And as a practical matter, with the increasing complexity of products, injuries, and medical care, you know, many people who used to just die, which would make the case easier, they live now, and now there's a lot more of a lawsuit. Uh, it is quite a difficult, and, not, and that is a good thing. I'm happy about that, yeah, by the way. Survivors make life so difficult. Yeah, so every time you live through an accident, you're, you're just you're causing the courts to slow down. You're making more work for lawyers and companies. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's really a difficult and expensive task to find and retain a good expert witness. 
try to go find an expert witness on bird. I can't stop saying bird law and getting really upset at myself, but <laughs> try to find an expert witness on electric scooter law. It's even arguable right now. The reason that, that the police are enforcing these helmet laws is because it goes over a, a certain mile per hour. It is electric. And technically, the law means you need a, a helmet for that. But Bird is basically saying, no, we're not a motorcycle. You don't need a helmet. Uh, regardless, many a year ago in the 1940s and 50s, uh, many American courts departed from the stand that standard of, of you know, negligence and everything else. And they decided that uh, to make it easier. To make it easier, instead of having to find these expert witnesses and everything else, they still wanted injured injured people to have a, a easier course of action to get made whole again. Uh, the whole point of a lawsuit is I am you hurt. Reattach their limbs. No, exactly. Them. I knew you were going to say that. You're that's reattaching Austin's, them with money. That's Austin's job to be ridiculous. <laughs> you, but you I, open the door to that one. Yeah. So to, the point of a lawsuit, though, is I am damaged. Repair me. And uh, if a doctor had to do it, pay for it. If I lost my car, pay for it, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And good old California came through in the 40s and 50s, like I said, in a 1963 Supreme Court of California decision, uh, Green Man versus Yuba Power Products. Green and Man? in that, yeah, in that decision, <laughs> uh, California threw away the fiction of a warranty and boldly asserted that the doctrine of strict liability and torts was going to be the new course of action for these guys. So what does all that mean? I, have I know no we're idea. Ram- yeah, we're rambling a bunch of law at you. This is all very complicated legalese that we're just kind of word vomiting at you. And instead of doing that, Austin, can you read the the justice trainer decision from Green Man, which was just 10 years ago voted by the Association of Trial Lawyers in America, the most important decision in litigation for torts? Uh, it, you say it, just 10 years ago. 10 years ago, I was in college. My life was very different. <laughs> yeah, And it was actually 96. The 90s were not 10 years ago. Oh, uh, we're gonna we're all gonna die soon. Yeah, yeah, we are. We are on the fast track to Nopesville. But anyway, Austin, read this decision and and I think it'll it'll make sense for everyone. Question is, will we die sooner by natural causes at this point, or if we get on a bird and get hit by a car? <laughs> like I'm definitely riding a bird home later. So. <laughs> Would ride a bird? They probably can't carry me. <laughs> All right, Austin, read the, the decision. I and, think and Allie's the only person a bird could actually carry while it flies through the sky so majestically. <laughs> That's how I imagine myself when I get on those scooters. <laughs> Flying. Oh it's, oh, it's like you're on Falcor from NeverEnding Story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't want you singing, Austin. Read the decision. <laughs> I, I heard you almost sing. We're not doing it. Read this. Even if there's no negligence, public policy Austin, demands that responsibility. Austin. Not, a, Austin, not every judge is British. This was in, this was in the 40s in California. The hazards to life and health inherent in defective products that reach the market. It is evident that the manufacturer can anticipate some hazards and guard against the recurrence of others as the public cannot. Those who suffer injury from defective products are unprepared to meet its consequences. The cost of an injury and the loss of time or health may be an overwhelming misfortune to the person injured and a needless one, for the risk of injury can be ensured by the manufacturer and distributed among the public as a cost of doing business. And to pause right there, that's if it, to reiterate on that and really hammer that point home, it's true. This, this justice is basically saying in an American accent uh, that, that we <laughs> should not put that burden on the public. If you buy a product... You are buying that product with an implied warranty from the manufacturer saying this product works. This product will not cause you harm for any unnecessary reason. Yeah, I mean, there's there are studies out there that the average American can't survive an unexpected cost of four hundred dollars. 
that's a scary state for most people to be in when any product can just randomly kill you and or even just hurt you a little bit, even just inconvenience you greatly. And this this justice is basically saying no more of that. We're going to streamline this process where if you're hurt, you have an easier course of action. So continue. It is to the public interest to discourage the marketing. A what is this accent ha- now? This is uh, what you might call uh, someone that's, that's not knowledge in the streets and uh, makes business where he can. I we're, have no idea what that is. The, yeah, I have what no are you talking clue. about? As I was saying before <laughs> I was so rudely interrupted. Is it because it's the 40s and you think you're doing a gangster impression? The marketing of products having defects <laughs> that are a menace to the public. If such products nevertheless find their way into the market, it is to the public... All of Austin's accents eventually get Jamaican-y. It is to the public interest to place the responsibility for whatever injury they may cause upon the manufacturer who, even if he is not negligent in the manufacture of the product, it is responsible... This is just a speech impediment. For its reaching reaching the market. Actually, maybe it was my cousin Vinny. Uh, uh. <laughs> okay, so basically what that's saying is we don't care if it is the fault of the manufacturer. We don't care if they were negligent. Negligence has been the claim forever. Keep in mind, up until this decision, every court case that came through on this on these kind of claims was someone in the public saying having to prove that the manufacturer was negligent. This justice is saying that should change, and now it doesn't matter if the manufacturer was negligent. Just by them putting something into the stream of commerce, if it doesn't work, it's broken, it causes harm, they need to be responsible for that. However, intermittently, such injuries may occur, and however haphazardly they may strike, the risk of their occurrence is a constant risk and a general one. Against such a risk, there should be a general and constant protection. And the manufacturer is best situated to afford such protection. There you go. So long story short, uh, this justice, like we said, is, is giving a new quicker course of action. And that last sentence basically is saying the reason is the company can afford this and the person who got hurt probably can't. And I think that's a fair public policy rationalization. I kind of love when Supreme Court justices go kind of above where they're allowed to and redefine the entire law, uh, which clearly happened here. Like, you know, as much as we all probably agree with this on both sides of the aisle, uh, you know, there there is the reality that this justice changed law and not really what they're supposed to do. Uh, but anyway, the year after Green Man, the Supreme Court of California proceeded to extend strict liability to all parties involved in the manufacturing, distribution, and even sale of defective products. So that's where the line gets a little more blurry uh, if if I make a vacuum that explodes and you're just Macy's selling that vacuum, you're now just as liable as I am because you, you're the one who, who sold it. Right, which happens more often probably than actually purchasing directly from the manufacturer. Like when do you ever go buy a Hoover from Hoover? Right. And I, you buy it from Amazon. And it gets yeah, but it's, it's kind of an, a crazy burden to put on those real t- retailers. Are they supposed to, you know, yes, check all this stuff? Product. Right. But hey, it's strict liability and they are now liable. So the crazy part is, too, not only are they liable to the actual customer who got injured, but they're liable to others who might be, um, you know, indirectly injured from it as well. So, for example, if somebody's riding the scooter and falls off of it and they get hurt, cool. But, like, what if that scooter flies into somebody else or flies right. into the road and causes a car accident? Yeah, you're, it's any foreseeable victim. And, and with these bird scooters, that you, I could foresee a lot of victims. Uh, <laughs> Do you and, have to hold down the throttle on this thing since? I, I, 
I don't have yeah, them. So yeah, that's that's fair. We didn't really explain it. Al, you like Al, you've written it. So how does it work? Yeah. So you it's just parked on the street. You knock off the kickstand and then you have to kind of get it started with your foot. But after that, you never have to pedal or, you know, manually, you know, power it, it has, again. It has, you this, have the it throttle. has like a throttle and a brake. It has a throttle and a handbrake. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even notice the brake when I was on it, which is interesting. I only wrote it once. Uh, I was stopping it with my foot and just jumping off it. I'm like oh falling. God. Oh, well, that's, that's because you're so used to skateboarding yeah. as a kid. Yeah, I was a sick skateboarder. Cool and uh, <laughs> But in all seriousness, you know, you, you give it a kick or two and then you hold that throttle down. But it it zooms. It goes yeah. fast. And uh, and yeah, I would I would see like a bump or red light coming and I would literally just start putting my foot down. Uh, interesting. Maybe wow. my bird was broken. Wait. Maybe it was defective. <laughs> or, or uh, maybe you just didn't realize it had a, thr- a break. How did you not know it had a brake? I really don't think the one I wrote had a brake. They all have brakes. Oh, My friend took a picture, man. Sabotaging birds. Yeah, well, right. Like, but of course they are. Of course, people are going around breaking these things. Like, they're just laying everywhere. They're just in the middle of like parking lots that are completely vacant in the middle of Skid Row. It's like, so funny. I keep like I always see people grabbing them and putting them in their cars. Yeah, but I think oh those God. are the people that. Like, that charge them. Yeah, there are like there is like a bird brigade running around mm-hmm. Los Angeles right now, picking them up off the street, and yeah, probably going to bring them to charge them or just putting them in more popular areas if some somebody just leaves it in a side road. That's such a weird and it's it's an interesting idea, and I, I think the safety problem and the fact that people will not use it responsibly, you know, no helmets and riding with multiple people on one bird is. Yeah. I saw a, a dad with his kid on the front of him. Oh, God. What's the cost of a bird? It's a dollar. No, well, they go by mileage. It goes by mileage. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a dollar a mile. Or it's a dollar to start, and then it charges you by mileage. Yeah. That's what it is. So is uh, it, like, way cost efficient? Like, if you take a ride for Oh, yeah. It's super, super cheap. It's, like, pennies on the dollar Yeah, we, we wrote it for 15 minutes just for fun, to be honest. And it was, like, seven bucks. Like it's it's way cheaper than an Uber, and it's and it's way more fun because you feel the wind blowing through your hair as you hurdle <laughs> towards your destination and possibly people in the way, and you tell them to get out of the way, and they just stand there like they're deer in headlights, and then you realize that it is in fact a deer in headlights. But you don't oh, yeah, have headlights. Yeah, this this will never stop unless we stop it. So all right, <laughs> so uh the 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 so that's product liability, and that's basically a crash course through hey. This product is broken, and it's not just for birds. You know, any kind of product you've ever had, if it's manufactured poorly or it's it's shoddy materials are used to create it or there's not proper uh, disclaimers or, or warnings on it and you get hurt with it, you probably have a good lawsuit, and there's probably a lawyer out there who's happy to take it on contingency and sue someone for you. All right, uh, so when I was eight, I had a Voltron, <laughs> uh, like a, a Voltron multi-part lion figurine. You were and- rich? No, 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 no. They were. I, I, it took a while. I had to acquire uh, each lion uh, from uh, flea markets. So every time we went to the flea market, I had to look for a lion that I was missing. Uh, and eventually, I got them all assembled. But then I dropped them down the stairs unintentionally, and uh, one of the pieces broke, and I stabbed myself on it. Now, is that because it was not made well enough, and I, and you know, it broke apart, and I can sue whoever made Voltron? You lost me at uh, when you were eight years old. <laughs> no, I, I would say that you actually would probably have a claim. They shouldn't be making really pointy stuff and giving it to eight-year-olds. I mean, and made of metal. Any, you might have passed the statute of limitations on that one at this point, Austin. But, yeah. <laughs> they, they, uh, that's why every child's toy you, you see now says, like, 
don't let your kids swallow this. Right, because everything was made with lead and everything <laughs> like that. But I also used to break apart my Superman uh, and like put him back together, and that was really what? it. Like I'd break it apart, I'd look at how like it worked, and then I'd put him back together, and he worked fine. Did you, you guys have used to ride uh, razor scooters when they were cool? I, I sh- well not when they were cool. I don't remember that. <laughs> I do remember uh, I was a cool skateboarder, like I said, and everyone had razor scooters. But I tell everyone, I shattered my arm real bad in, in three different places when I was uh, in freshman year of high school. And I told everybody that I was, you know, trying to do like a six step gap on a my nolly. skateboard or something. Yeah, yeah, I was doing a nollie, did you just say? Yeah, I was doing a nollie. <laughs> uh, but the, the reality is I had taken my friend's little brother's razor scooter to taunt him <laughs> and went down a hill. Oh, oh, and then no. the, the, little, the little kid, eight years old probably, Austin's Voltron age, threw a football at me and it hit the front tire and I went flying down this hill, landed on my arm and shattered it. So not only was I picking on a baby, I was, oh I was also riding a razor scooter. Karma. And yeah, that I deserve was, everything I Ryan got. That was Ryan in his teenage years. It was, all right, guys, I'm done with my Dungeons and Dragons. I'm going to go skateboard outside. Yeah, that's true. And then and you the were Legend of the Five Rings. You played football over there with us, Austin. It was on Cook Street. That that's the biggest hill still to this day. I remember that is the biggest hill I've that ever is, seen. That is a huge hill. And huge I've, hill. Sitting outside the Hollywood Hill I right just, now, I, and that's the biggest hill you've ever. You've seen. never seen Cook Street. It's you've nice never level. seen Cook Street, and you've never <laughs> seen Cook Street when your friend just got his driver's license. And he decides, hey, let's go down Cook Street really fast and ignore the stop sign so we can catch air, uh, you know, across that intersection where it goes up. Who did that? I don't think I can name that person. They're not on this podcast. Yeah, I was making clear that wasn't me. I respect safety laws. Uh, <laughs> and, except the one time we rolled a bowling ball down Cook Street to see what would happen. Oh, God. That's yeah. a menace to it hit society. A <laughs> um, anyway, no. That's why you escaped New York. <laughs> <laughs> Continuing on. Because he legally had to escape from New York. Where was I going with this? Oh, is that just a Razor Scooter tangent? Yeah, I think that was. That's great. Oh, uh, no, it was me. It was me harming myself on my Voltron figurine from uh, from products. <laughs> so, Austin, after everything you've learned in this episode, do I have a product liability claim against Razor for falling on that hill? I think you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you're, that is correct. I'm, I am too stupid analysis. even to be protected by the stupid person <laughs> I th- law. I, th- I think if you brought it to court, they would say, you are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> now get out. Good, good Ten day. years dungeon. Uh, yeah, no, that's accurate. Um, so, so the other area that's going to be super interesting to look at now as th- these birds become more popular are nuisance laws. And we're seeing so many headlines written right now. Birds, amazing innovation or public nuisance? And I don't oh, know so that Spider-Man is he a, <laughs> is he a dangerous vigilante or is he a hero? He's a menace. But the <laughs> the reality is, nuisance laws are a very real thing, and we're we might see some interesting lawsuits come out that just kind of get rid of birds. Wait, what about limes then? It, it would probably cover lime as well, right? Yeah, birds, limes. We're using them interchangeably. Imagine yeah, a lime but... bird. It's green and it's filled with citrus, but it can also fly through the air. Majestically. <laughs> okay, Austin. <laughs> Do you know what a public nuisance is? Uh, I have been informed many times because of things that I do. <laughs> yeah, Austin that's, is that's a public nuisance. Find in the case books. Yeah, public <laughs> nuisance is Austin. Um, no, a public nuisance can be a lot of different things, but it's really anything that um, that threatens health, morals, safety, comfort, convenience, welfare, or really just affects somebody's ability to enjoy um, the their place lives. that they live and their lives. Exactly. 
So, you know, for example, a manufacturer who polluted a stream might be fined and might be ordered to pay the cost of cleanup because people who live around it um, are affected by that and are entitled to enjoy that stream in a in a clean and healthy manner. You know, that's a fair point. But what about a one man band? Would a one man band be a public <laughs> nuisance? Yeah, if you're outside playing it every night and you're disturbing the community as a whole, you would be a public nuisance. Depends how good the band is. What if but, he was a one-man band in his own public nuisance court hearing? You mean in the... Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I think you have a better TV pilot than a legal question. Uh, <laughs> but the reality is uh, that that's a public nuisance. You did something where you're disturbing the public as a whole. No individual can bring a claim and say, hey, this is... I'm annoyed by this public nuisance. The kind of the the public together has to go and and do something about it. Uh, like you've you've poisoned our river with with deadly toxins. Yeah. So for you to have a a private claim and and a private nuisance claim, uh, you would have to be an individual individual that suffered harm different from how the general public suffering it. So you can't just say I'm extra annoyed by these birds. I'm not doing it. You would have to say, no, actually, I am uh, – everyone's leaving their scooters on my stoop because I live on the corner and it's easiest or you know, whatever. You would have to have a, a claim that would bring it to you personally are being harmed. Uh, it, it's, it, it, a private nuisance claim is when there's an interference with a person's enjoyment of the use of his land. So keep in mind this is all tied to, tied to community and land. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, it, we saw a lot of private nuisance claims coming out with Pokemon Go. Uh, there would be a Pokemon stop in someone's backyard because yeah. the yep. geography changed. Bam, yep. private nuisance claim. Yep, I absolutely uh, did go into somebody's backyard to catch. Uh, I think <laughs> I think it was like when I first started playing, so it was to catch like a Pidgeotto or something. A whole other episode. Yeah. <laughs> did we do a Pokemon Go episode? Yeah, we did. But uh, I think that's part of the, the lost other day that my backyard has Pokemon in it. And it's I'm like, true. creep, what are you doing in my backyard? <laughs> but you I'll can try see to it catch for miles. I always just sit in Allie's backyard and just like wait for Pokemon. It's uh, <laughs> funny. If they say they're trying to catch a Rattata, you know they're lying. <laughs> <laughs> Don't insult Rattata. They give experience too. But anyway, the, the, the reality is the law recognizes that landowners or those in rightful possession of land have the right to the unimpaired condition of the property and to reasonable comfort and convenience in its occupation. That's the legal test. Oh, so they uh, can't demand that, like, just the environment be perfectly comfortable? Like, like they, can't have, they can't have perfect temperature? Is that, is that the reasonable part? Well, that's, that's, a, that's a not unreasonable question. And to determine the accountability for an alleged nuisance, if I said – if I'm going in and bringing a private nuisance claim, the court's going to look at three factors. They're going to look at the defendant's fault. So did the defendant actually do this? Whether there's been a substantial interference and the reasonableness of the defendant's conduct. Uh, so even if it's a defendant's fault, maybe it was reasonable. But uh, fault – has to mean that the defendant intentionally, negligently, or recklessly interfered with the plaintiff's use and enjoyment of his land. That could be an endless array, array of things, but, you know, use your imagination. But, for example, a defendant who continues to spray chemicals into the air after learning that it keeps blowing onto the, the plaintiff's land, that would be deemed to be intending that result. Even though it's I'm, maybe I'm blowing chemicals to kill wasps in my backyard, if I know that every time I do that it's going into Austin's patio, it doesn't matter whether I'm intending that or not. I, I now know it happens and therefore, bam, intent and but fall. But then what my if it's not chemicals? Patio. What if you're spraying air freshener and that next person next to you just doesn't like the smell of it? That could be very different. Yeah, absolutely. asking him to use vanilla, but he insists upon sandalwood. <laughs> Nobody likes sandalwood. <laughs> well, that, but, but that's true. I mean, that's the difference between uh, a substantial interference and an interference. 
If you don't like the smell that much, you know, maybe go inside or get your own air freshener. The law is not intended to remedy little petty annoyances. It's it's supposed to be there to basically subjective annoyances. Right. You would have to there would have to be some kind of other criteria to, to really make it a nuisance. Uh, like, maybe I hate cilantro. If you sprayed like cilantro scented yeah. stuff uh, in my yard, uh, I'd be pissed. But oh, probably God. not have a claim. Nope. Unless your father was murdered by cilantro. I would have to take it into my own hands and... <laughs> you got Spider-Man up this. So. <laughs> <laughs> your eyes just got very dark. I, uh... But anyway, then, then, yeah. and then you would look at the reasonableness of the defendant's conduct. Why are you blowing those chemicals in the air? Are you doing it because you just hate Austin? Or, or are you doing it because there's a legitimate reason you it's have like to do Kimmy it? It's like Kimmy Gibbler. Remember in Full House, Kimmy Gibbler used to do all that annoying stuff on the other side of the fence. Exactly. <laughs> oh, or if you're like blowing those huge bubbles and the bubbles are landing on like somebody's, you know, uh, car and it's staining the car. And Wait, no, their patio. What an irrelevant example, Austin. I, I, we should always let Austin come up with examples because it's just so far removed from, from uh, anybody's reality. Just it's like... Think of a nuisance. Someone blowing giant bubbles that not, and then I was going to say, well, that wouldn't be enough. But now these giant bubbles stain, stain your, your car. car. <laughs> these are paint bubbles. Ooh, uh, they're glow in the dark bubbles. Oh, and then they make your car, gl car glow in the dark too, and your patio, and everybody keeps go showing up there. Or it attracts animals. Well, I don't think that's a nuisance. I think that's an enhancement. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but it's a balancing test. Is where that's all I was trying to say. Uh, <laughs> um. But, but yeah, I mean, that's the long story short. So the main thing we're going to see with these scooters right now is public and private nuisance claims coming forward, product liability claims coming forward. And we're going to see a lot of them because there is so much money to be made. Bird was just valued at two and a half billion dollars, I believe. What? They can afford these little annoyances. Not even they can afford it. They're going to pay people out immediately. They don't want the negative headlines. So what? like with so many things, if you bring a lawsuit against Bird, they're going to send you a big old check and an NDA. Well, this might be I... one of those situations where all of the the PR and all of the media stories are actually helping them. Well, it's, it's interesting because as this war is going on, I haven't really – heard the public feedback like which Have side you heard the word yeah people still like writing them yeah but there's also people who hate them it's a very polarizing thing but it's funny because when i'm not on one i think it's the worst thing in the world when i'm on one i think that well, I'm, that's I'm like finally bikers free. in general yeah but oh, I, mr curmudgeon i know you hate the birds but won't you just get on one just try it just try <laughs> flying upon a bird mr curmudgeon that scoot 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 feeling and then his heart grew <laughs> 10 times that day. But but in all reality, I mean, it, it is fun. It's also incredibly dangerous. It's just the reality. That's where we're at. Um, and on that note, Allie and I have a meeting to go to. So, <laughs> um, Allie, where can people follow you on the internet? At Allie Rothman on Twitter. A-L-I. A-L-I. A-L-I-R-O-T-H-M-A-N. And Austin? I am at Robot Austin, one word. Don't put a space in between or an underscore. And I'd prefer if you didn't follow me. You can follow the show at Robot underscore Congress. And I'm kidding. You can follow me. Uh, I just want to thank you for being on the show because you are awesome. Oh, well, I'm happy to be here. And thank you for having me. Yeah, Ali's going to be a, a regular going forward. We've heard a lot of feedback that having two people who knew the law as opposed to one person who knew the law That's with, me. with two childhood friends slash idiots. Uh, <laughs> it, it's just an easier listen. Yeah, but let us know what you think. And Even also, if you hate me. Yeah, well, and stop tweeting at me show ideas and things. And it's not that I don't appreciate them. I just forget to look back at them. Uh, send it to robot underscore Congress or 
Austin, what's our email that everyone can send submissions and ideas and feedback and death threats to? So, especially the last ones. Uh, so, that would be robotcongresspodcast at gmail.com. And here's the real test. Austin, do you remember the password and can you still log into that account? Yes. All right, cool. So, communicate through that email because I know you made it six months ago and then haven't logged in well, since. You know, what's, you know what's funny is I always remember your password. So... <laughs> I know your password too. I know everyone knows my password, uh, but let's not say it on the show. Ha <laughs> <laughs> uh, ha! Okay, right. beautiful. So, uh, good night. That was a headgum podcast. But for my failure, you would not have been harmed. Hey, then, dam- yeah. What's a but for? <laughs> I, I, I honestly. I want you to cut that yes and and just put it in like our our library forever because I really thought you were gonna say you weren't recording and uh, that that was gonna be it.